This is an encore presentation and a new, shorter version of an interview from 2015 with Rick Hammond. Rick was always into artistic things as a kid. He always wanted to be an artist, even though... I had no artistic skills whatsoever. Of course, I became obsessed with radio to feed a uh, stereotype. He moved to Kona, Hawaii, right after turning 20. His uncle's wife there was hosting a poetry reading one night. He skipped over his angry ex-girlfriend teenage poetry and brought out something more personal. The audience liked it, kept coming back. We did like a tour around the island and wasn't very successful, but it sounds good on paper. And then I just kept sticking with it. You almost sort of fell into it. Almost sort of fell into yeah, it, yeah. Which I guess would be another stereotype. Rick kept writing poetry. He also worked as a summer counselor at a camp for blind students. I was the cooking counselor, and the other year I was the travel counselor. I was much better at the travel counselor part, but that's a whole other story, guys. <laughs> I'm going to have a cook-off with you, and we're both going to lose. We're both going to lose. Yeah. And he noticed something troubling. I saw how the people who got ahead were the people who maybe wrote the nicer things on the reports, right? Who said, mm -hmm. this kid is making so much progress when you could really see the lack of progress. There was this hierarchy of, if you say the right things, you'll move forward in this particular subgenre of society. And I thought, wow, we're uh, part of the disabled community. We should really be holding these kids accountable. And we've got to set a good example he wrote poetry about these feelings. His poem, Silently Listening, starts like this. Reflecting is feeding regrets related to silently listening as awful strategies and lazy hypocrites inspired applause. Right after ungrateful commentary described wonderful folks saying nothing or lying felt safe. In older times, slow snobs chastise my opposition. I adapted by promoting a dishonest act. However, I've often neglected the fraudulent approach when talking with associates I thought had common sense. It's foolish assuming I'm actually bonding with magnificent con artists who play supportive to extract information. I'm positive they daydream of using confessions to torture me later. Although I usually ignore those worries while privately congratulating myself for the selective greed with dissent. It does seem brilliant. When... Some people will be able to read through the lines and if they agree with me, great. And if they don't, go listen to another podcast. Oh, oh, but don't listen to another podcast. Don't listen to this episode, but go back and listen to the archives, guys. Or or I could be the person you love to hate and just keep playing this episode back and forth and back and back and back. And he wrote other poems like Psychological Traps, which warns people to not get too caught up in feeling inspired just by hearing someone talk about hardships in their life. Sometimes there's way more going on beneath the surface than just that they quote-unquote overcame tragedy. What's shown on the surface isn't the whole story. We all wear masks in society. Yep. And just because somebody appears to have overcome something doesn't mean that they have. Yeah. The other side of that, just because somebody appears to you, maybe somebody with a disability, that they haven't come over something. Mm. Because maybe I'm walking down the street, but my cane's broken or you know something mm -hmm. to that effect. 
doesn't mean that they haven't overcome that too. Mm. So I was trying to show both sides. It starts like this. Psychological traps remain dominant. Life is happier, even though pain hasn't collapsed. But acknowledging hurt somehow undermines your faith in escaping from adversity. You've met members of each gender with calm, first-hand descriptions of worse experiences. It's confusing listening to survivors verbalize such a healthy attitude. Emotions you hold only appear juvenile, since they're mostly compared to narrators who insist they feel amazing, with zero harsh wishes for harmful villains who force starvation upon them, broke up their families, or caused body parts on your heroes to fail. You talked about we all wear masks, and I can easily believe that everybody does. Sure. But what about you? I think we all wear masks in public. Everybody. I mean, not just, you know, people in the disabled community, but there's always the you want to be the person who has it together. You you want to be the person with the clever joke. Sometimes it can be fu- kind of fun, right? Like sometimes you can wake up in the morning and be like, do I want to be like serious tortured artist Rick today? And I'm going to strum my guitar on the street corner and, and quote Lord Byron. <laughs> Or do I want to be like the hero figure who who goes out and and helps somebody? So it's not necessarily a bad thing. We live in a society that seems very afraid of nonfiction to me. Well said. Well, then from that point, let's only speak in fiction for the rest of this. That's right. I love my entire family. I do not feel like... I like thinking about the way Rick talked about masks. I also think a lot about how much fun it can be to cast aside any expectation to do things perfectly and just embrace that some things really can be hard or weird to do with a disability. I picked a few activities that are either hard for blind people and people with TBI to do, or someone for some reason thinks they're hard for us. And I turned it into a competition. Rick was a great sport for putting up with this because despite all my planning for it, I genuinely screwed up several times and got confused in my own game. I guess I just proved my own point. Thank goodness for gallows humor. So, I want to know if you would like to go to the Disability Olympics with me. Absolutely, yes. Okay. The Disability Olympics is different from the Paralympics and it's also different from the Special Olympics. Because those things are both real competitions. There are, you actually get exercise. That's a, another distinct difference. The Disability Olympics refers to this strange competition where everybody tries to be the most oppressed or have it the worst. You try to one-up somebody else by having it worse off. Blind has always been cool. Yeah. TBI, no, not very cool. Not very cool. Very new. We don't really have our footing yet. And also we're dizzy and it's hard for us to get our footing. Rick and I today are going to reinterpret the Disability Olympics by actually doing some events. And I don't know who's on the scheduling crew, but today's events are all blind versus TBI. So I guess we'll be in all of the events today. Okay, so I'm trying to remember what all the events were. Oh, the first event, first event in blind versus TBI is tying your shoes. 
So, Rick, could you let the listeners know today, are you wearing Velcro shoes? I am not wearing, I am wearing uh, Nikes that I got when I was dumpster diving, but I actually took them off because I didn't want to ruin your floor, so I'm going to run and get my shoes. Oh, okay, wait, let me go get some shoes too. Pause. All right, so I'm already out of breath. (laughs) Just getting my shoes. I think I'm going to do well, guys. Okay, no, no, I'm going to do really well. How about uh, ladies first? Okay, so here's the timer. TBI putting on my shoes. I have here four shoes. It's a shoe tying competition, right? Yes. Okay. So I'm thinking I should pick the shoes that have the ties. Probably. Okay. Oh, shoot. I just put on the clog. (laughs) Wait a minute. Okay. Take that off. Okay. Okay. So what I've got here are some Nike high tops. Nice. Okay. I can't see where this lace is. The lace is wrapped around the heel. Wait a minute. It's like going in the same... Okay, the lace was tucked in there. I don't know who laced these shoes up because it's like the part that you tie is all going in the shoe. Ooh. I know. It's oh no, it wasn't. I just needed to pull them. Okay, there we go. One shoe on. Oh, I'm t- I don't think I really keep track. I'm gonna stop here. It okay. was a minute five, minute six. I got one shoe on. It's not tied yet. Why don't you go ahead and do your shoes? Okay. Okay. Wait. Let me set the timer. Why is the shoe on the table? Oh. That's your shoe. Okay. Ready? Okay, Rick. Blind versus TBI, tying your shoes, go! Okay, guys, so basically I have some Nike uh, high tops Me here. too! Wow! Um, uh, they did not have laces when I got them, so I had to lace them uh, myself as a blind person. And so, I am throwing on... This. Okay, no, 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 you got to comment on what just happened there. <laughs> I almost put my... Uh, <laughs> I almost put my, my left foot in my right shoe. And I... Oh my god, he's tying. Pulling my laces together. You're doing exactly the same way I do it. Nice. Except that I didn't tie these. Oh my god, I did tie them! <laughs> oh no! I don't remember tying these shoes. You have busted the myth that blind people can't tie their own shoes. I'm gonna have to call that you won. I thought I was gonna win that one, but I totally, you know, these aren't even my shoes. The next, what was the next event? Oh, knocking over your glass knocking of water. Knocking over your gra- glass of water, yes. Okay. Who can go the longest before they knock over their glass oh, of oh, water? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, and this is inspired by my friend Levon, who can knock over a glass of water faster than anyone. Mm. Unless she's looking right at it, yeah. it doesn't even exist. It's yeah. like the fabric of reality. Is like, okay, so I'm going to set the timer. I haven't knocked my glass over. You haven't knocked your glass over no. yet. No. Oh, my my hands are in my lap. That might uh, be a... Uh... You're blind. How come you haven't knocked over your water yet? I don't know. Um, Do you know where it is? I know it is right here. Okay, well... Let me put it down. Let me let me close my eyes and move around a little bit. See if you can lose it. See if I can lose it. You kept your hand on the glass the whole time, but you thought you could lose it even while you were holding it. You're You should be on the TBI team. I think what happens with Levon is she does a lot of gesturing with her hands and then the glass gets... Okay, I think I'm going to have to be disqualified, Rick, because I drank all my water. Shoot. Shoot, damn it. You won again. Damn it, again. So, so far, it's two out of two. Blind is better than TBI. Okay. All right. Next event. Giving directions from your house 
to the number 44 bus stop. Directions from your house. Okay, so blind directions, go. Okay, so um, you want to leave the front door, go down the flight of stairs, Mm -hmm. go outside the building, turn to your right, go to the end of the parking lot, make another right, keep going. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you'll run into an intersection. Mm -hmm. There will be a Burgerville to your left. And if you keep going to your right, there's going to be a Safeway. You're going to go a little bit diagonally to your right, Mm -hmm. go up to Lombard, Mm -hmm. make a left, cross the street, and you will be at the bus stop for the 44 bus. The timer was going backwards, so I don't actually know how long that took you, but that was really good. You ready for directions from my house? Yes. So you go out, and you turn left, and you keep going, and then you're going to see the house with a fluffy orange cat, but she doesn't really come off the porch to say hi. Like, don't waste your time if she's on the porch. She's more like, she'll like walk in circles around you. You could pet her. I didn't set the timer. Okay. Uh, You can pet her, but it's more like you just hold your hand there, and she sort of pets herself against your hand. Mm. So... That's at that house. Oh, wrong direction again. Okay. So maybe you pet her, maybe you don't. Yes, yes. But you're trying to get to the bus. So anyway, so you're going to cross the street right there. And that's Inspector Clouseau's house. Usually I just go right from Tiffany's house to Inspector Clouseau's house. And then you're going to go past the clown house. And it's autumn, so the three of them are not going to be out anyway. So that will make it go faster. Because okay. when they're out, you just then you're lying on the sidewalk petting the cat. So you're going to cross there. And then go right, and then cross that street, and then you can't miss it because it's just right there, right there. So you get to Vancouver, and you cross both ways. I mean, like you cross the street, and then you cross it the other way, Yeah, yeah. too, and the stop is just totally right there. Okay. All right. Okay. Who won that round? Hmm. I mean... (laughs) I think you probably swept this one, Rick. Nice, nice, nice. I think blind is better than TBI. For now. For now it is. Yes. For now. Thank you for participating. No worries. Um, I'm holding up a really amazingly incredible trophy right in front of you. You, you can't see, right? No, oh, no, no. No. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Side note, please don't lie to a blind person and tell them you're holding up an amazingly incredible trophy right in front of them when you're not, unless you're friends. We're jumping ahead to skip, oh, about 20 minutes of our original conversation. With Rick being a poet and musician, he cares a lot about media, who gets to make it, how it's presented, and who it's for. So what's your take on non-disabled people portraying disabled people in the media? For instance, I was watching the Michael J. Fox show the other day. Michael J. Fox plays himself a guy Mm -hmm. with parkinson's um and so there's a lot of parkinson's jokes that are really hilarious sure well they had a blind guy on played by jason jones he's not blind why 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 did you not just hire could i play the devil's advocate for a minute yes but just just so both sides are represented this is a gray area for me so i'm Mm -hmm. not i'm i am very conflicted about this somebody might make the argument that Maybe there were no blind actors who went to audition. Maybe the blind actors who came to audition just weren't good actors. Hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe. Maybe. And and to quote the great Tavis Smiley, having said that, let me now say this. (laughs) Um, I would appreciate if people in the media in these positions of power would try to uh, seek out blind actors. 
there are great disabled actors out mm-hmm. there that don't necessarily get the shine that their able-bodied counter... And I don't like the word able-bodied, but for yeah. lack of a better term, sure. their able-bodied counterparts get because mm-hmm. it's harder to get noticed. If you're a play director and I come mm-hmm. to you and you say, well, Rick, you know, we'd really like to hire you, but uh, there's a lot of walking around on stage. My point is you get a lot of discouragement yep. if you're a disabled actor yep. and it's harder for you to be noticed. Mm-hmm. So I think it would have been a better choice for the producers to try to seek out disabled actors. In the save internet, it's not too hard to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and think about this. You know that Jason Jones isn't blind because you did yeah. your research. But imagine imagine you're a mom, right? You have a, a blind kid. Horrible tragedy. But I know. But imagine that for a second. And you don't, because you're a mom, you're busy running uh, around all the time. And you have a blind kid who's maybe a small kid, maybe like six or seven, right? Mm-hmm. And so you think, oh, wow, there's a representation of a blind adult in the media. Mm-hmm. I can show my kid this. And you know that Michael J. Fox really has Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. So maybe this guy really is blind. Mm-hmm. And so you teach your kid to to sort of look up to somebody who's doing things incorrectly. Yeah. That's why I'm always weary about how disabled people are betrayed in the media. It's not mm-hmm. us we have to be concerned about. It's the kids who are coming up now and have uh-huh. seen those. Uh-huh. And it's the people who interact with those kids. If you're a teacher of a blind student, mm-hmm. you know. In the blind community, there are these things called kernel books, right? Basically what it is, is it's blind people telling stories of their lives. I went to a training center back in 06, long story, Mm -hmm. but I was reading a story from one of these kernel books, and it was about a lady, and one of the things she was saying is she was a baby when it was discovered that she was blind. And I don't know, maybe she was three months or six months, but somewhere around that age. And they discovered she was blind. The mom already had other kids, so it wasn't like this was her only child. Not that that makes us any more right. And she said that her mom told her that she almost gave her up for adoption Mm. when she found out that she was blind. And the only reason she didn't give her up for adoption was because she knew one blind person who was just like a normal person in society. Mm. Now imagine this. Imagine that instead of knowing a normal blind person, she, quote unquote normal, mm-hmm. she knew somebody who, who had no control over their lives, who was basically a shut-in or who always said inappropriate things like I do. Mm-hmm. And then she would have given her daughter up for adoption, her own daughter, mm-hmm. based on her daughter not being able to see right. Mm-hmm. I guess the, the, the way it comes around is the betrayal of, of not just blind people, but the betrayal mm-hmm. of... All disabled people in the media could have a, a similar impact, you know, and it's it's yep. really, really shocking to think that, okay, this story is about 50 years old, but in the mm-hmm. course of human history, 50 years ain't nothing. It's nothing. You don't want to be portrayed as somebody who has super human hearing or something, no. too, because then you're going to be a disappointment, you know. Well, but don't you have superhuman hearing as a blind person? I do, but uh, the FBI doesn't really want me to talk about that. You know how we do it in the blind community. No, I don't. I'm just finding it out now. Yeah. This is good because before I didn't know how I could would ever be able to live if I were blind. Right. But now I know how. I would just listen really hard. And you'd listen. <laughs> you spend all your day listening to audiobooks and, and talking about how great it is that you're blind and uh, reading Braille when you're not listening to audiobooks. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I, li- I actually I actually do listen to a lot of audiobooks, too. And, you know, we kind of just kept going from there with sarcastically relishing so many absurd ideas that sighted people have about blindness. Not to get all disability Olympics again, but I feel like even though my peers with TBI and I constantly do ridiculous things, 
it seems like there's not as much inane public commentary about TBI compared to blindness. So it just was easier to make more inane commentary ourselves about blindness than TBI. I don't know if that's good or bad, but Rick, you can win that round too. Every episode is transcribed. Links, guest info, and transcripts are all at whoamitostopit.com, my disability arts blog. I'm Cheryl. This, this is, is Pigeonhole. 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 Don't sit where society puts you. <laughs> <laughs>